Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway, 6th and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. They live here in our studios here as well in Music City. Chad, uh, big show today. Trey Wallace from OutKick.com. We'll talk college football headlines with Trey and SEC discussion. That's coming up in 20 minutes. Plus, a bit later, NFL and Heisman talk. And the college football playoff as well throughout the show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. It's a big show. They're all big. That's right. (laughs) It's football season. And even Dick Vitale last night, while calling Michigan State and Kentucky, had to say, Maybe we should back up college basketball season until after Man. Thanksgiving because everyone is football crazy right now. Yeah, it's and I agree with them. It's tough to get into even some of the big program matchups right now because you know, like as we start to look ahead, we're when we're when teams are on the bubble, we don't really reference this month all that much or December for that matter. Well, it's just it's, it's tough. a lot of recency. It's bias. tough to gain a lot of attention outside of the programs involved. Because the majority of the sporting public is all eyes on college football or NFL right yeah. now. So, and it's, you can only say, you know, this is going to be big come selection Sunday. The outcome of this game could prove large and could be the difference between a seed line or whatever. Okay, great. It's for entertainment purposes. Selection only. Sunday is in mid March. Yeah. That's a long way away. It's tough to get overly excited about college hoops right now. So, I. Dick Vitale, who is the most excited guy at all times about college basketball, if he's saying it, you know there's some validity. We've talked about this with the NBA. Start on Christmas. I know that's sort of the unofficial tip-off to NBA mattering the rest of the year is Christmas Day and all the games they have. I mean, you could argue, let's just start the thing on Christmas Day, condense the season however you need to do it, or play later into the year in right before football yeah. Basically, you'd go into they, August until football starts and you'd have a better window. But even now on Christmas Day, I mean, uh, the NFL is about to dominate that this year with their schedule and the way things line up. Hit us up on Twitter throughout the show at Outkick360. You can well, join Chad in the chat, plus uh, streaming live at Outkick.com. What we're saying is none of it matters because the NFL could just schedule whatever they want, whenever they want, and it's still going to be Depending on the year, yes. Or uh, college football now. Well, last night's college football rankings, for the most part, didn't matter all that much because the top five, exactly the same. Uh, however, we did see LSU and USC with some small promotions, what we'll call it. And Chad, as we take a look at the, the top six, of course, Georgia number one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, TCU at four, Tennessee remains at five, and LSU is at six, one spot ahead of USC USC, of course, with a schedule that includes UCLA this weekend and then Notre Dame. Your thoughts on the top five remaining the same and LSU being at six right behind Tennessee. 
So let's talk about LSU and Tennessee right now because Ohio State-Michigan will take care of itself. I think the worst-case scenario for the teams behind Ohio State and Michigan would be a really close game with Ohio State winning or a really close game with Michigan winning. Really, Michigan winning over Ohio State would be a bad scenario because Ohio State versus a Tennessee or a USC, let's say, or maybe even a TCU. If they have one loss, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a more difficult sell. But a close Michigan loss, what that does, what you want if you're one of those outside teams is for Ohio State to destroy Michigan in that game and knock Michigan out of the discussion. But this discussion of LSU or Tennessee, if LSU wins the SEC championship, the more I really look into it, the more I believe that's completely bogus and not a very good argument. And I'll, I'll say it to it from this, this way. And I started thinking about this a lot last night. If you were going to argue that because LSU won the SEC championship and suddenly that went over Georgia and winning the SEC championship erases their two losses and the head-to-head loss at home by 27 to Tennessee, then why not just argue that Tennessee deserves a spot over Georgia at that point? Because if they, they both have one loss, and Tennessee only lost by 14 at Georgia, whereas LSU lost by 27 at home, and then you compare who they beat outside of that, where Georgia didn't beat Alabama and Tennessee did. And then when I think of it that way, I'm thinking, that doesn't hold any water. Georgia would deserve the spot over Tennessee head-to-head. Now you've got Tennessee, who's got one less loss than LSU, and they beat LSU on the road. I don't think there's any chance. I don't think LSU, they could beat Georgia by 45 points in the SEC championship. Oh, I don't know. They, I bet, they're not going. I don't know about that. I don't think there's any chance. Not only chance. would it be the well, best let me win say of the this. season, it would be. They don't have any chance head-to-head with Tennessee from a logical argument oh, standpoint. Fair. They'd have one more loss still, and then they would have the head-to-head loss to Tennessee. But what, what, what it comes down to is they would be valuing the conference championship with two losses. The conference champion for the SEC over one loss Tennessee despite the head-to-head win. That's what all of this would come down to from the committee's mind. They factor all this in, but we don't really know what they value in certain years over the other. I like this process. Um, We'll love it whenever it's 12 teams, right? But this year, so just taking a look at the top four, we know Ohio State or Michigan, one will lose. If Michigan pulls the upset again, and... Ohio State's falling to four. Like, I don't think they're following out of the top five. That's bad news. Michigan winning that game is bad news. But that's bad news for USC, Tennessee, Tennessee, LSU, however you want to look at it. TCU, to me, um, this was their chance, I thought, Chad, to jump Michigan. And I realize you you made the good point. I mean, they they handled Nebraska. Michigan did. But the way TCU beat Texas, uh, another marquee matchup. We've been paying more attention to the Frogs, of course, based on the recent games and how they've been coming back. But the, the committee has them firmly at four, unbeaten, no matter what's going to happen here. And they're saying, well, they have a chance to climb to three, depending on what happens a week from now with Ohio State and Michigan. But I thought, well, this is TCU who, if they're already at three ahead of Michigan, if they lost one, let's say in the conference championship in a rematch against Kansas State, close... Could they only fall one spot back? Again, I'm trying to read into what the committee's telling us. The committee, by putting USC behind LSU, is telling us they're valuing the SEC over whatever USC's about to do. But 
How much, and that goes back to LSU and the Tennessee and the debate in the scenario, how much will they value the SEC champion over a one-loss SEC comparison who did not play in the SEC championship? That's that. They're already telling us the SEC is ahead of the Pac-12, who I think is the second deepest conference right now. They they have that um, power of schedule or straight. It's, it's yeah. like a strike the schedule rating they look at. They talk about in this this deal. Um, Cole Kubelik, who we're going to have on the show next week, actually here on Outkick three hundred and sixty, he's got the overall opponents' records. And this was an interesting, this was an interesting look portrait of what teams have done against whom. And this doesn't tell the whole story because there could be some non-power five teams that have really good records that aren't very good in this. Right? This is just overall opponent record. Georgia's actually best of all these teams in contention, 62 and 38. LSU is 61 and 39, their opponents. Tennessee, 60 and 41. Not a big surprise. The SEC teams lead the way, one, two, and three. This did surprise me. Clemson, 57 and 43, their opponents. North Carolina, 53 and 41. Then you get to TCU, 52 and 48. And everyone's darling, Ohio State, their opponents this year, 49 and 52. USC's opponents, 46 and 54. They don't have one ranked win this year. Michigan, 45 and 57. Wow. The Big Ten is abysmal outside of three teams. We, we had this discussion yesterday, Hutton. Who's fourth in the Big Ten? Yeah. Illinois? I, I I guess. Maryland? I guess it's Illinois. There are some really, really bad football teams in the Big Ten this year outside of, I think Penn State's pretty good, and I think Ohio State and Michigan are very good to great. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, the depth of that conference is terrible, and it's bringing them down. Now, this is still going to change. Example, Tennessee ends the season with Vanderbilt. That's going to hurt this opponent's record. Um, well, by Vandy, Georgia is Vandy gonna, beating Kentucky, I mean, it yeah, evens out. I'm but just yeah. saying numbers-wise, if I'm just looking at overall opponent record, that's going to that's gonna yeah. hurt it. Playing South Carolina doesn't really hurt it because I think they're like 5-4. and four, So that's not going to be a big blow to your, your record. Um, Georgia plays Georgia Tech to close out the season. So teams are going to play other teams that don't have a good record. I, I just The whole thing to me, when you really dive into the different numbers – it's one of those where we talk about we open talking about nobody cares about college basketball right now and they don't. Well, we'll care in March and we'll care on Selection Sunday. And every Selection Sunday, we could host a show saying I could make this argument for this team versus yes. this team. And if you're good about manipulating the numbers, you could flip that argument and make the same argument for the other team, but change the parameters of what you're looking at with the team. I think the same goes for this playoff ranking. Chad, looking at the top 25 from the, the college football playoff committee, um, you asked the, the question, I believe late last week, maybe it was Monday, about the ACC, the one-loss ACC champ, right? Clemson is behind Alabama. Alabama's eight, Clemson is nine, and North Carolina is at 13. There's no chance for the ACC to make it in. They're out. Just based on this, just like, based on where they are, they now, have to it's climb too, too many to jump, and you're already behind a two-loss Bama. Who, I mean, down the stretch, what is Clemson? I guess can move ahead of them, but if they're not moving TCU ahead of Michigan based on the rankings, you just the, the opponent rankings. Yep. I don't know how you're moving Clemson ahead of Bama next week just based on one result from a week where Bama has been in the top ten, regardless of how close they're playing games or how they're 
losing games, albeit close losses. They're two losses by a combined four points. Utah is a conference championship away from being where USC is, but they're too far back in the pack, I think, right now, too. And then you see Oregon falls to 12 and UCLA down to 16 with Washington at 17. I think they could gripe about where they're positioned. Well, and so Clemson doesn't really, they don't have a chance at another signature win until no. North Carolina. Right. But so that, both those teams have the same problem where they're ranked right now. Even a win over the other one doesn't. It's a great win for a conference championship, yes. but it's not going to elevate them enough. No, they're too far to back. To be considered a part of the playoff. They're behind, I, I'm with Clemson you. is behind two loss LSU and two loss Bama. Like, so I, they're, not, they're not climbing that far by a win over North Carolina or vice versa. Carolina's too far back in the pack, too. Tennessee's in a good spot, though. I still believe that. They're in a great spot. Yeah. If they went out, I still believe they're going to be in. And there's going to be chaos. Like, no one, no one was predicting UCLA to lose last week, for instance. Yeah. Also, North Carolina's remaining schedule, Georgia Tech and NC State to end the season before Clemson. NC State, NC State loses to uh, so Boston College? Uh, yes, by one. Yeah, they lost to Boston College this week. They're not doing anyone any favors in the ACC. Uh, with their disappointing season so far. So uh, that's not really going to help North Carolina. We're going to talk about Heisman hopefuls later. Drake May's numbers incredible are <laughs> otherworldly. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. Uh, I think he's got a good shot of being a finalist. Yeah. But just statistically, with that Phil Longo offense at North Carolina, Chad, it is unbelievable looking at his stat line. Table this for our discussion, but... The two, like Drake May and Stetson Bennett, those two storylines alone, consider how undercovered and under, like we're undervaluing that performance or the, the, the significance of the season. If Drake May were Manziel, right? He'd have a shot at winning the Heisman. Now he's going through the SEC schedule and of course Drake, but I mean, it's, it's not near the coverage. With the numbers I, you're talking about. He needs a catchy nickname. I mean, honestly, Johnny Football, I mean, he was etched into our memories and etched into everyone's television because he was Johnny Football. It's a and great nickname. And he was nickname. on CBS at 3.30. Yeah, and if that was a team that, what, had two losses? Yes. I want to say. So uh, North Carolina may only have one loss. I know. But Drake but May needs Drake May needs a publicist, think, Todd. That's what I'm saying. We need we need to get some publicity no, out there. Carolina needs a publicist. Yeah. I don't think half of America that consider themselves college football fans know that Carolina only has one loss. I think they would say, if you guess, like how how many losses do the everyone knows I think Clemson does, right? What yeah. about UNC? I think they would guess two or three. Did they I don't play, think they would know. When they played Notre Dame, I think that was like the ABC night game or an ESPN night game. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty so. high pro. I remember it was at night. It was a high-profile game. They did not look good against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, if you want to, hey, if you're an ACC fan, if you're the commissioner of the ACC and you're bummed that your teams don't have a shot at the college football playoff, <laughs> look at blame, 18. blame your alliance with the Fighting <laughs> Irish because they are the ACC killer. Their record against ACC teams is unbelievable. I know Collins got it for me. He's about to tell me what it is. But since they had their little uh, alliance where they're not a part of the conference, but they kind of are in football, and they partner <laughs> with them games. on their schedules, it is incredible. They are 27-0 and 0 since they started that alliance. Notre Dame is against ACC teams, and they are the lone L 
for both Clemson and North Carolina this season. But with that win, where's it's Carolina? It's going to knock them out of the playoff contention for the whole conference. But if they beat Notre Dame, which they need based they, on the opponent records that you're pointing out, where would Carolina be if they just win that game? Based on this We ranking, know where Clemson would be. Let me give you an estimate of where they would be based on where they have them right now. If they're undefeated right now, I think they're probably sixth. I think they're behind at, TCU and Tennessee. At worst. At worst. But I mean, that's, and that's at best. I'm, we're talking about an undefeated ACC team. That's a bad spot to be in if you're undefeated and behind a team with a loss, which would be Tennessee at number five. But we would be saying, like, when I get the win over Clemson, right? If, the, if Clemson still has the 1L, and you've got, or if Clemson didn't, if, you, if Clemson was in the top four right now, which they would be if they were unbeaten, you could argue that Carolina's in the playoff this year. And again, that's crazy knowing that no one's really talking about Drake May. Just surface level. We're going to talk about it later. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk We're going to remedy that problem with Drake May. Maybe even, Davey, let's get on a nickname. Let's get something going here with Drake May. Let's see if we can get some momentum. We need a good nickname for Drake May. Because I'm telling you, if he had a John football type nickname that Johnny Manziel had, I think he would have more Heisman momentum right now. With one loss, North Carolina. There's a quarterback that I think picks it up over the next couple of games here. We'll discuss that in hour number three. We will also get into the NFL storylines of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who all of a sudden have shown life. Chad and I will discuss if we're actually taking both quarterbacks to be in playoff position a month and a half from now. And we will take a look at the NFL accolades. But when we come back, SEC discussion with Trey Wallace of OutKick.com. We'll go around the conference and get you ready for the weekend. That's next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There's a player who wants to, quote, piss in LSU's cornflakes this week. (laughs) Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Trey Wallace with more. He's got the story at Outkick.com, and uh, he had it earlier this week as he's previewing the upcoming weekend. A lot to get to with Trey as we preview the Southeastern Conference. Trey, hope you're well, man. I'm I'm good. Uh, just enjoying my cornflakes. I don't have piss in them. Urine-free cornflakes are better than those with urine. So congratulations on that. Yeah, no, I, I'll take it. I used to go to a basketball camp when I was younger, and, and they would always say, you know, you got to have sweat in your cornflakes. So I've never heard piss in your cornflakes. So yeah. that's good. Um, I want to get to Texas A&M and, and look ahead a bit to LSU as well. But first, um, Kentucky-Georgia. If you would have told me, Trey, that this matchup would have had this little significance, right, for Kentucky, I'm saying, I, I, was, I would have been shocked. I know, I'm more stunned at what we've seen happen with the fall at, at A&M. Uh, I'm more stunned with what we've seen from LSU. But what we've seen from Kentucky... The shine is off there, even more so than what we've seen at Arkansas. How shocked are you with what we have seen results-wise and how it all really fell down against Vandy last weekend? 
You know, I am kind of blown away. I mean, we talked about it during the preseason, guys, that we we kind of circled this game. And we're like, okay, this is going to be potentially where Kentucky upsets Georgia, and, and maybe they sneak into the SEC East, you know, title spot where they're playing in Atlanta. And, and now it is a game that, to me, it's, it's hard to get up for, hard to get excited about because what we've seen out of Kentucky – over the last couple of weeks. And then you look at Georgia and they're so darn good in, in on both sides of the football. And there's problems right now in Lexington, by the way. I mean, it, it, from the play calling to the defense to Will Levis, um, I think there's going to be a lot of changes made in the offseason. I, I don't know if Rich Scagnoli will be back as the offensive coordinator. And it just – you go from, you know, Kentucky fans – thinking, okay, this is the year we're going to be top 10, we're going to be in the playoff conversation to, okay, it's basketball season, let's focus on Michigan State last night. Like, that's what it's turned into. And it, you, whatever, it is what it is, but Mark Stoops really missed out on an opportunity to take advantage of all that talent. And, and now they're sitting at a game that, yeah, it's at 3.30 tomorrow, but let's be honest, most people are tuning in to see what Stetson Bennett and Georgia do for a half. Trey, let's take a small thing, like one moment of a game this past weekend. Let's expand it out to all of sport. That's what we're going to do with this question right here, okay? Tennessee running the score up on Missouri. I am a believer in nuance. I don't think there's a blanket rule for everything. You just never run up the score. People on Twitter, never do it. It's not good sportsmanship. It's going to come back to haunt you, whatever. I believe that you shouldn't run up the score when you're up 45 nothing on an FCS opponent at halftime. You put in your backups, you run the football as much as you can, you get out of there without any injuries, and you don't embarrass them anymore. I also believe that if you're in a playoff race that's decided by a committee and you've got a guy trying to win the first ever Heisman Trophy for your school, you do whatever it takes. You score as many points, you pad as many stats as possible, especially if you're playing with backups at the end of the game. Um, so I don't think what Josh Heupel did was wrong. And I know you also know a little bit more of the backstory about Josh Heupel, Eli Drinkwitz, and Josh Heupel in Missouri, that there's some history there as well with this. What say you on this running up the score debate with Tennessee and Missouri? I don't care. Like in a sense of, I don't care if a team runs up the score this late in the season. You're playing... You're playing Missouri. You're playing an SEC conference foe. You're not playing UT Martin. You're you're not playing Ball State. You're not trying to to rub it in, you know, per se. But look, when when you have your backups in, if, first off, you have to go back and look at the play that set it up where everybody got pissed off at Tennessee. It, it's Joe Milton hit Squirrel White down the sidelines, and honestly, he slipped yeah. right before he went to the goal line, so it set him up at the one. And if you're like, Josh Heupel, what do you do? Do I, do I take a knee or do I just let the guys run it in we score another touchdown and be over with it? I think Josh Heupel made the right move. And another thing, too, is, you know, for all the backlash that Tennessee and Josh Heupel took on Saturday, where – and they even – and this is – I almost tweeted last night, but I held my fingers off and I didn't tweet. I'm glad it. you <laughs> saved it for this show, Trey. That's perfect. So don't, don't right. tweet where, it. Say it right here. Where the hell was Reese Davis and them, you know, Friday night when USC's running it up, you know, in their game against JT Shroud in Colorado? 
Where was that conversation on Saturday? By the way, Trey, I knew about that because you tweeted about it Friday night. I saw your tweet from Friday about they covered the spread with that late touchdown on the final play of the game or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, the guy from game day, Bear, Chris, wanted to come at me. I'm like, okay, man, you're taking this too seriously. But then Reese Davis opens up the show last night, and I love Reese Davis. But he he made a little – a little joke about Tennessee scoring late in the game. And it's like, where do we get to the point where that's a problem? Like where, where was the outrage when Ohio state was, was running up the score on Indiana or doing it earlier in the season to get the pad CJ Stroud's Heisman numbers. Like it doesn't matter. We're at a point right now where Tennessee is fighting for a playoff spot to get into that top four. And at the end of the season, scoring 60-some-odd points against Missouri. By the way, that's 52 years in a row they've scored 50-plus against Missouri. So you're doing that. You're going to make yourself look good. And, and the committee, you know, the committee's talked about, you know, margin of victory and then margin of victory between the same opponent. Okay, well, look, and I'm not saying anything about Georgia, but I'm just using an example. Look what Georgia did against Missouri to look what Tennessee did against Missouri. And Georgia's the better team. I'm not making that argument, but I'm talking about margin of victory. We're at a time right now where, honestly, I'm, I'm tired of, of them getting on the, these shows and, and they're talking about, you know, these different angles that might play out. And then now they're bringing up, okay, well, it's too much. And, you know, Josh Heupel ran up the score on Eli Drinkwitz. And, you know, to me, it's like, okay, two things should happen over the next two weeks. Tennessee should go to Columbia on Saturday and try to score 60, no matter what. Try to score 60 on the road. And then you go to Vanderbilt, and you're going to beat up on Vanderbilt. It's a, it's as simple as that. But I don't – you know, I would say the same thing for TCU. I would say the same thing for what Oregon tried to do uh, but failed this past weekend against Washington. I just think the argument's overblown. And, and by the way, too – Hendon Hooker's fighting for a, a Heisman spot, like talked about in New York City, and he wasn't even the quarterback at the time. So they, they've got to get their, their arguments correct because in past years, I didn't see all this complaining from them. Well, and Hutton, one, one other thing too. Kirk Herbstreet, Reese Davis's partner, said Tennessee needed style points on college well, game day in these final three games. But So, so it's, it states clearly in the criteria for what the committee is looking at that they will – that they do not ask coaches to run up the score and that they, they, it states comparing games against common opponent is done, quote, without incentivizing margin of victory. But what it doesn't do is decentivize margin of victory. There's no tab for sportsmanship there. So, I mean, uh, it, the next time Eli Drinkwitz has a chance to run up the score against Tennessee, which could, like, in theory, if he could have done it this year, he would have based on last year. It's that like there's He's no do way, it, and that's fine. That, yeah. that's his but, right to do it. And if that's, he has a that's where it ends there. I mean, uh, to me, it's just okay. But uh, to your point with USC and Colorado, no one's talking about it because, quite frankly, a lot of uh, a lot of the the talking heads across the sport don't watch college football. They watch the big games, and that's it. And they read headlines. Not Reese you Davis. Can't. Not Reese Davis. I'm just saying those that just repeat the headlines. Well, and, and, and Trey, you know this too because you cover the conference, right? This is what people who cover it nationally and just watch the big games like Hutton is talking about, they fail to realize. Eli Drinkwitz is nobody's victim. Right. The dude is dressing up like Darth Vader. He's trolling other coaches. He's going on Jim Rome, making fun of Tennessee, vacating games. 
this dude is a troll. He's going to go out and troll others when you do. That's fine. That's your right. But when you have a losing record as a head coach and you do that, you might get 60-plus put up on you. That, that's hazard pay right there. Don't forget he signed a $2 million extension two weeks ago before the Kentucky game where they barely scored 17 points. So I, you can you can try to complain about it. You can try to bring it up. But, I mean, you know, look at, you know, if we're, we're staying on Tennessee here – Look at the margin of victory of, of a couple of different opponents. Look what they did to the number six team in the country on the road in Baton Rouge. Blew them out. Look what they did against Kentucky. Blew them out at home. Look what you did against Missouri. Blew them out at home. So, you know, two of those wins look nice before Vanderbilt decided to go to Lexington and wreck Kentucky's season just completely off the rails. So I don't have a problem with it. I won't have a problem with it Saturday night when they come out and they they hang 55 on South Carolina, if that happens. So, you know, the, the committee is going to have their standards, but I promise you, I, I promise you, right here on this show, Boo Corrigan and that committee were not watching the second half or at least right after the first three minutes of the third quarter of the Tennessee-Missouri game. I promise you. I agree. No reason to. Trey Wallace with us from Outkick.com. Trey, uh, we'll get to the uh, Jalen Preston uh, comments about the cornflakes with LSU by tying in this question. So A&M, LSU, Kentucky, Georgia. In a couple of weeks, we get, uh, what, nearly 10 days now, we get Alabama, Auburn. Auburn, A&M, Kentucky. If any of these three get a win over their current opponent now, Georgia, LSU, or Bama, what does it do for the perception of each season versus the opponent I'm saying that they could get a win over in an upset? Look, if, if Kentucky, by the grace of God, somehow is still in this football game in the fourth quarter against Georgia, you know, then I don't want to say that that saves the season for Kentucky. Right. But it, it, it does give them that okay, we did it moment type of thing. Fans can storm the field. They can do all that stuff, but they wasted their season. Um, you you look at, you know, LSU. Okay, so LSU and Texas A&M are going to play Thanksgiving weekend. I don't see much of a difference if Texas A&M knocks off LSU. I mean, it's still a horrible year in college states. Yes. Um, and, and, and it's – and it's a lot deeper than what you're seeing in the press. There's 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 coaching problems. There's there's Jimbo Fisher. His offense is a little bit too uh, schematic for some of his players on his roster. Um, I, I think you've got infighting within the athletic department. Um, you, you, we're talking about a a team that came in with high expectations, much higher than like Kentucky and whatnot. That's not a shot at Kentucky. That's just being realistic. You know, Jimbo Fisher's got himself a problem in a long offseason, especially the fact that they're not going bowling. All these kids are going to go home after next weekend's game against LSU. You know, he's going to have to figure out what he wants to do going forward. And, and here's the thing, too, with Texas A&M. If he doesn't do – what they would want him to do, meaning bring in an OC, make some changes to his staff, that's going to put him in a pickle going into the next season because they can't afford any more bad press. You look at Texas A&M, I mean, it's horrible. Like, they were, you know, they were talking about, you know, the LSU game and whatnot. Like, boys, you better focus on, on UMass. Like, get your team together for UMass. You've shown you don't show up for some of these football games. So, 
There's a problem right now in College Station that's going to take a minute to fix. And I don't know if, to be honest with you, I don't think Jimbo Fisher is going to turn what? it around at Texas A&M because what is a turnaround, Jonathan? So I mean, so I'm not saying like turnaround with one win over LSU, but perception-wise, we had Billy Lucci on yesterday. Perception was going into the season, okay, Brian Kelly's coming into the SEC, and not only does he have to go against Saban, he's got to go against A&M that is now just below, just a notch below, and LSU's got to catch up. Well, within three months, all of a sudden, LSU is already what Texas A&M was in August in the minds of everyone. So in just in the perception of College Station, they would have a win over the team that many feel like have already caught them and surpassed them in year number one where... Many people didn't think LSU would get over seven wins this year. Point being, I, and I don't think they beat them. Point being, Kentucky, uh, which I think would help Tennessee, by the way, Chad, because if we're going to say, what did Georgia do against Missouri? We could also say, what did Tennessee do against Kentucky versus Georgia and Kentucky? It would be the same argument. And then last year, Auburn, they're going through a coaching change, of course, but last year they led 10-0 in the fourth against a Bama team then that was winning close games, but... Auburn was one of the four or five teams that actually could have had them, had Bama on the ropes, but didn't win. This year, we've seen Bama lose twice by a combined four points, and Auburn was there. It was in their grasp a year ago. I, I say all that to say one of these three teams, just based on the perception of who we think they are right now, can at least point to these three matchups as some glimpse of light. Um and it's, I, it's I think, possible based on what we've seen throughout the season. I think it's Auburn. Like, okay. if we're being honest, I think, I think it's Auburn. that Because they're going to be Western Kentucky this weekend, in my opinion. They'll, they'll yes. beat the Hilltop this weekend. And then they'll play in the Iron Bowl. And you're going to have a motivated group. Like, this is the most hyped four and six team I have ever <laughs> I seen. Ever. That environment Saturday night for, for A&M – was off the charts. It was electric. And, and props to Cadillac Williams, Will Friend, who that name is familiar for some folks. Um, they've been able to, to makeshift this thing in Auburn. And I and I agree with you. Like, this is not the same Alabama team we've seen in the past. Um, it is an Alabama team that is susceptible to get beat. I, you know, Auburn with a two-game winning streak heading into Tuscaloosa. The Iron Bowl always brings out crazy things. But I think it's bigger – for the Auburn program going into the offseason for one reason, we're about to hire a new coach. And that new coach needs a foundation when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to the transfer portal window that is going to open up here in two weeks. Um, there's a lot more, in my opinion, on the line for Auburn compared to A&M because the A&M ship has kind of already sailed. Yeah, beating LSU would be nice, but the season when we looked at the disappointment – it's different with Auburn because it feels like we have broken the season up in two halves. Yes. The Brian Hartson mess, now the Cadillac era. And I think that's where Auburn could benefit more uh, for what they do over the next two weeks. Vanderbilt uh, hosts Florida this weekend. Huge win for the program, breaking that long losing streak. Really cool moment post game in the interview where Clark Lee gets emotional talking about how big that win was. Trey, it's easy just to forget about the teams that never win. You know, they haven't won for three years in the SEC and just kind of put them on the back burner. But it's very different when you're inside of the program when that's going on. And that showed with Clark Lee and the emotion after finally getting that SEC win. 
in what was a big-time upset on the road at Kentucky. Now they get a chance as a lesser underdog. They were 18-point underdogs against Kentucky. Only a 14-point underdog at home against the Gators this weekend. I absolutely love the Vanderbilt whims. And I thought it would. It just, you, you know, a lot of people nationally, they probably looked at that score and they were like, wait a minute, they had a 26-game SEC losing streak? Wow. Okay, they broke it against Kentucky. But, man, that's for the players. That's for Clark Lee, who's been grinding over there on West End. The players that have gone through just a mess over the last two and a half, three years. I mean, it was over a thousand days since they won an SEC game. You know, you 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 look at how they played too. Mike Wright beat Kentucky by throwing the football. I would not expect that eight weeks ago. So I think that I think that just goes to show you that you know what Vanderbilt was a team that you know they came into the season. What, it was 2.5 wins, two and a half wins was the over. Yes. We cashed that. I mean, I cashed that ticket. I've got it. And now you look at, you know, them this weekend against Florida, where if you're Florida, don't come in lazy because Vanderbilt has shown, and I'm not calling it upset, but I am telling you, Vanderbilt has shown they can pass the football. They can get up on somebody if they need to. Um, they have a decent running game. So I'm just saying Florida better watch themselves. Don't go to Nashville when there's, you know, 20,000 fans in the stands and it's not loud and it's hard to get up for the game, but then Vanderbilt's going to get you because they got that taste of victory against an SEC team. So now they want more. So I'm, you know, I'm interested in that game just to kind of see how it plays out. But um, congrats to Clark Lee. Uh, he deserves it. That man's done a lot for that program, I think, already. And we'll see if they can build off of it. Trey Wallace, Outkick.com is where you can read his work. And starting uh, a week from today, the Trey Wallace podcast will debut. Tell us about uh, the new podcast, Trey. And uh, I, I know Chad and I are very excited to uh, give it a listen again a week from today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we're we're going to expand this thing. We're going to talk college football, college basketball, college baseball, entertainment. We're going to throw some NASCAR in there. We're going to have a good time with it. I'm excited to launch this and, and work with the Outkick crew to get this thing off the ground and rolling. Lots of great guests um, to, to go through the Rolodex to have on. And we're just we're continuing to build at Outkick. That's the biggest thing. Um, I, I absolutely love what the, the content team is doing, what you guys are doing. Um, it, it's only getting bigger and better, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. We'll launch that thing next Wednesday to give you a little Thanksgiving listen as uh, some SEC teams will be playing that day. When you talk entertainment, Trey, I look forward to being your guest. I, I look forward to that <laughs> moment. I'm excited about the podcast and excited about joining you at, at some point to talk, uh, talk a little entertainment. I, I Trust me. I look forward to it. We're going to have a good time, and I always appreciate you guys. You guys, uh, you guys keep killing it, and, uh, and we look forward to a a fun weekend of, of college football. Maybe maybe we see an upset or two this weekend. Don't don't shy away from a, a lazy Saturday. Trey Wallace, Outkick.com. Good to see you, man. Thank you for rescheduling with us and moving up a day. Appreciate you. Always, guys. Be well. So it's real simple to find that podcast in all of our shows. Outkick.com. Go to the tab. Click on shows. Everything from Clay to Tommy to Dockage to Trey uh, to 360 and everything in between hookstead and i'll leave some out you can scroll through all of it there's plenty there with all of the shows available outkick.com click on shows you'll see the entire menu option hutton quickly the surprising line of the week in the sec this week lsu only a 14 and a half point favorite at home against uab 
who's five and five. I keep looking at that and thinking, what am I missing from the sixth ranked team in the college football playoff in a UAB team that, from what I can see, their best win is a 14 point win over Georgia Southern, who then has gone on to do nothing. 14 and a half only is the line in that game at Tiger Stadium. Is that a typo? At night. I have no idea. I'll text my, my buddy gonna, Fonte, the authority. I'm going to hammer it is what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to get on the app. The authority in Baton Rouge. Get on the us. app, and I'm going to hammer it, and I'm probably going to be a loser for that reason. Coming up, we've got primary complaint, then headlines to get you through your workday. This is Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hunt. Glad you're with us. And coming up, NFL discussion. We will have a bit later a chat about the Heisman Trophy. And is there a debate right now? That's kind of the topic. And why not? As we have two games left in the regular season. There's no clear front runner, which I think is a good thing for debate. Yeah, but there's no debate about who the clear front runner would be for certain people. I don't know. I just, I don't feel the same buzz. And I'm... We'll, we'll discuss about who we think it should be versus who we think it will be and who has the best shot to win it over the final two weeks. Right now, though, each Wednesday at this time, primary complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for a primary complaint on Outkick 360. Chad, you can tell me to debap here if you need to, but here, here is here is my primary complaint. And maybe it's the LASIK surgery I had like eight years ago that's playing a factor here. I'm not really sure. Chad, you tell me if you think this is bright. Uh, on the interstate, this is an 18-wheeler that is using the halogen uh, headlights, the bulbs, right? They... They don't burn out as fast, whatever. This is extremely bright, and this was not on bright. But because it's an 18-wheeler, it's at the perfect height for my uh, Ford Explorer. So I'm looking at this going, man, I, I can barely see, so I'm holding my arm up like this as I'm driving, trying to not be blinded at night. on my drive home at night. Yes, because of the halogen headlights, which... I mean, I don't like them as it is on certain cars just because I think they're way too bright to begin with for oncoming traffic, but especially for 18-wheelers. Your thoughts? It's very bright. Uh, Now, I also had LASIK surgery about six years ago, I feel like, a little bit after you had yours, but I'm looking at that photo, Hutton, and I'm thinking, it's bright. It's too bright. This is in my side mirror. Too bright for a side mirror, that's for sure. Yes, that's my primary complaint. My primary complaint this week has to do with ESPN. And, uh, you know, not, uh, I guess, the common complaint you would have about ESPN. Some analyst said something you disagree with or, you know, they've gone too woke or whatever you want to say about ESPN. 
My complaint is more about their relationship with the college football playoff and how the college football playoff, something that crowns a national champion with the NCAA, is allowing ESPN to put the announcement of the playoff rankings around the promotional opportunity for another ESPN product. And here's what I mean by that. You have to have a set time for a playoff announcement. Yes. You cannot come into it when you're talking about crowning a champion and have a playoff ranking announcement where it's in the middle of your Champions Classic on ESPN where you've got two college basketball games and you say it will happen at the conclusion of this game. Because when that game goes into double overtime, as last night's Michigan State-Kentucky game went into double overtime, you're pushing the announcement back 40 minutes to an hour. That can't happen. There are people covering it. There are people wanting to know. There are people who do not care at all about college basketball this time of year. And you are forcing them to watch your product. That's fine most of the time. You're a business. You want eyeballs. However you bring them in, that's how you bring them in. I get it. But if you are the college football playoff, you can't allow that. So I guess my complaint is less about ESPN because they're doing what they're allowed to do with their contract and more about the college football playoff allowing this to happen. That is my primary complaint. Totally with you. Totally with you. And there was really no drama to the announcement this week anyway. So people waited around to see the same top five. Coming up, some drama with the Cleveland Browns, perhaps. I mean, there was this offseason, of course, with Deshaun Watson, but he's back at practice, and he'll be back playing soon. What can the Browns do with their playoff chances? We'll discuss next. 